and not being learned from anyone else. Iti, thus, Sushuma, we have heard. The Yamadudas replied, that which is prescribed in the Vedas constitutes dharma, the religious principles, and the opposite of that is irreligion. The Vedas are directly the Supreme Personality of Godhead Narayana and are self-born. This we have heard from Yamaraj. Purport. The servants of Yamaraj replied quite properly. They did not manufacture principles of religion or irreligion. Instead, they explained what they had heard from the authority, Yamaraj. Mahajana Jinnikatasapantaha. One should follow the Mahajana the authorised person. Yamaraj is one of twelve authorities. Therefore, the servants of Yamaraj, the Yamadutas, replied with perfect clarity when they said, Sushuma, we have heard. The members of modern civilization manufacture defective religious principles through speculative concoction. This is not dharma. They do not know what is dharma and what is adharma. Therefore, as stated in the beginning of Srimad Bhagavatam, Dharma Projita Kattavotra. Dharma not supported by the Vedas is rejected from Srimad Bhagavat Dharma. Bhagavat Dharma comprises only that which is given by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Bhagavat Dharma is Sarva Dharma Pritchatya. One must accept the authority of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and surrender to Him and whatever He says. That is Dharma. Arjuna, for example, thinking that violence was Arharana, was declining to fight. But Krishna urged him to fight. Arjuna abided by the orders of Krishna and therefore he is actually a Dharmi. Because the order of Krishna is Dharma. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita chapter 15, text 15, The real purpose of Veda knowledge is to know me. One who knows Krishna perfectly is liberated. As Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita chapter 4, text 9, Janma karma chami nityam evam yoviti tattvakaha chattvatiham punajanma one who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not, upon leaving the body, take his breath again in this material world, but attains my eternal abode, Arjuna. One who understands Krishna and abides by his order is a candidate for returning home back to Godhead. It may be concluded that Dharma. Religion refers to that which is ordered in the Vedas, and Adharma, irreligion, refers to that which is not supported in the Vedas. Dharma is not actually manufactured by Narayana, as stated in the Vedas. Asya mahato bhutasya nishvasitam itad yad rigvedaha iti. The injunctions of Dharma emanate from the breathing of Narayana, the supreme living entity. 
Narayana exists eternally and breathes eternally, and therefore, Dharma, the injunctions of Narayana, also exist eternally. Srila Madhavacharya, the original Acharya, for those who belong to the Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya, says, Vedanam Pratamovakta Haririva Yatovihu Atovishnuat Maka Veda Ityahu Vedavadina. The transcendental words of the Vedas emanate from the mouth of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, the Vedic principles should be understood to be Vaishnava principles because Vishnu is the origin of the Vedas. The Vedas contain nothing besides the instructions of Vishnu, and one who follows the Vedic principles is a Vaishnava. The Vaishnava is not a member of a manufactured community of this material world. A Vaishnava is a real knower of the Vedas as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, Vidaya Chara Savaraham Eva Vijaha. Kirangjana Salakaya Chakshur Mritam Jaina Tasmahe Sri Guruvenaha Sri Chaitanya Manovishtam Stamptam Jaina Bhutale Tvayarupakadamahayam Tadatisvara Padantikam Mukam Karoti Vachalam Kungunam Gayate Gayam Yakripa So, in conclusion, Dharma, religion refers to that which is ordered in the Vedas. And Adharma, in religion, refers to that which is not supported in the Vedas. Pramana or Amnaya refers to that which is heard and then repeated. And we see this principle in our education systems where, uh, for example, we learn our times tables. Everybody learn their times tables? Huh? Ad nauseum. <laughs> but there's a purpose. There's a, there's a purpose. Huh? And we learn that purpose. You know, when I, when I used to go to, when I went to school as a, as a five year old, I was given two shillings, 20 cents. For my lunch. 20 cents. 20 cents for lunch. On Monday morning. Monday morning you were allowed to buy lunch because uh, the baker hadn't baked his bread yet. Or you hadn't got it yet. No. So, um, we soon worked out, well, well it, it, we soon, and you know, we always went up to our 12 times tables. 
I mean, only after 10, we got up to 12. And there's a reason for that was because there's 12 pence in a shilling. Right? Now there's only 10 cents in a 10 cent coin, but the equivalent when, when I went to school was 12 pennies. And so that meant you had 24 pence in two shillings. Very important because with 20 pence you could get a uh, an unmentionable pie and a cream bun plus you would have four pence left over. Right. And of course that four pence left over was spent on sweets. So this is important. <laughs> so very early on in life you learn the application of time tables, right? With money, we learn how to So, but it's very interesting, this, this principle of hearing and repeating. It's rote, what we call rote learning. And you see it embedded in the Vedic culture. You see it especially in the education system in, in India where there's a lot of, you absorb information, you repeat it back. Uh, and that's important. That's very important. But, of course, more important is the application of that learning. And so what you'll find in, in, a, in a modern, so-called modern, or in, uh, often in a in an educational setting in a place like Australia. There's emphasis on remote learning, but there's also emphasis on analysis of that information and then a synthesis of all of that information so that you can use it practically. Right. So it's not always just a repetition of information, but it's taking that information and using it practically. What we call jnana and vijnana. Right which is part of the medical culture, uh, it's a symptom of a Brahma, is, is that they have the learning, but they also know how to apply it. How to weigh an elephant. Have you heard that story? I know the story about how to weigh an elephant. I, remember, I think Prabhupada tells this story. As an example of this principle of application, uh, so the, 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 the workers who wanted to, work, wanted to weigh an elephant, they couldn't work out how to weigh the elephant. Right? So eventually the Brahmanas worked it out. What you do is you put an elephant in a boat. Well, first of all, you measure the line of water, right? You measure the line of water where the boat sits. You put the elephant in and the, the boat drops. You then put the line, right? Then you take the elephant off and then uh, what you have a weight of that you know, you put it in, boom, 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 until the boat sinks to the level of the water, then you know how much an elephant weighs, right? So this requires application of you know, physical, uh, physics, effectively. Yeah. So, uh, now it's very interesting, you see, there is a lot of information in the Vedas. And a lot of it appears 
contradictory. Right? There's a, 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 there are, and there are different portions of the Vedas meant for different types of people. Right? So it's very interesting in the, in the beginning of the purport, what does Prabhupada say? Mahajana Yena Gadasa Pamtaha. One should follow the Mahajana. It's very important. So the Yamadutas are following the Mahajana, Yamaraj. They're his order carriers. And uh, they've learned from Yamaraj that you, you, you don't make things up. Right? And you take your authority or your practice from authority. Um, and, and, and so, you know, there are various prescriptions for all different classes of men. Prabhupada mentions how there's, there's a Bhagavad there's, there's Puranas for those who are most ignorant, Puranas for those who are the most passionate, Puranas for those who are the most goodness. Right? So, uh, there are a variety of instructions, many instructions in the Vedas. You know, there's, there's, a, a, there's a Veda for extending life, right? What do we call that? The Veda describes how we can prolong our life and live healthily. What's that called? Ayurveda. yeah. But then there's also a Veda for hastening somebody's death. Right? What's that? Test for you. Dhamma Raveda, yeah, the, the art of warfare, which is basically kill the others. Right? So, they're contradictory, but of course, according to time, place, and circumstance, they had their application. But the instructions of the Vedas had their application. And so we'll find Dhamma Raveda, Ayurveda, Vastu, all different. Prescriptions. We'll find we'll find Vedic literature that encourages worship of the demigods. We'll find uh, instructions where and, and Prabhupada quotes here Dharma. What is it? He says. Bhagavad Dharma, right? Or vague uh, instructions given by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the ultimate, the ultimate, what is it, uh, Dharma, if you like, here, is Sarva Dharma Parijatya Mamekam Sharanam Prajapra. So that means give up all Dharma, <laughs> give up all Dharma, it's to me. But, so the vague. Literature can be very confusing because there are many, many instructions that are given according to the audience, to the target audience, if you like. Right? But uh, one needs to understand the Vedas through the right authority. In other words, one needs to, yes, we accept the Vedic literature as all being absolute and coming from the mind, right? It's all from the breathing of the mind. Prabhupada explains it's like the Vedic literature is like a manual which which 
describes how we use the, the, the universe, how the universe is, is created, how it's maintained, how ultimately it's destroyed, how it's structured, and ultimately what its purpose is. And so there are many, many, many different instructions for many, many different classes of men. But the ultimate, the ultimate, the, the ultimate purpose of the Vedas is to bring us to this point of knowing Krishna effectively. Vedas The real purpose of Veda knowledge is to know me. That's what Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita. One of the reasons why the Bhagavad Gita is such an essential elementary book for for the devotees, because really in essence uh, Krishna is giving, you know, the the, 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 the the basics, the basic principles. And it's very clear, although even, you know, as Prabhupada points out, so many books written about, so many Bhagavad Gita's, and not all of them come to the point of understanding that Krishna is the Supreme Personality of God, and that he is a person, right? which is a difficult concept for people to wrap their heads around that the ultimate supreme uh, entity being is a person. So, well, how, and, and you know, there are challenges, there are obvious challenges with that. You know, how can somebody who's everywhere and everything be a person? Right? For us, a person is, a, is limited. Right? And how experience and perception of individuals they're, they're constrained within that form. Because the Supreme Person is not constrained by the form that he presents himself in. He's, he's multi... He can be simultaneously with a form and at the same time without one. And that's just like... And, and that's why in the Bhagavad Gita Krishna says I'm a teacher, right? a teacher, inconceivable. Because it mentions, I said it's really not a seven, is it seven, five? Bhumi Rapunala. Bhumi No, that's not the one. I think it's the ninth chapter. Is it the ninth? You're probably right, ninth chapter. I, I just read it the other day. And Krishna explains how to meditate on himself, but how to meditate on Krishna. And one of the things is that he's everywhere. And that he's the source of everything. All powerful. And that he knows everything is another thing, right? He knows everything. You know, and just think about that. Think of somebody who knows everything. That's why he also says he's inconceivable. He's inconceivable. But he's a person. And when you think about these things, and, and this is one of the reasons why we need to regularly hear the Vedic literature and hear these descriptions, all of these characteristics of the 
the supreme person or the original person in order to get some con conception of who God is and what he is and how he is. But ultimately to understand that his personality or his uh, character is inconceivable. Inconceivable to us. And, and what was another characteristic? Uh, luminous. Luminous. Uh, what does luminous mean? Luminous. Light. His light. Yeah, we, we measure light in lumens. Uh, and he's luminous. That means he has light emanating from his body. Uh, that's a pretty far out person. <laughs> we don't like to be walking around with light emanating from our body. Who wouldn't want to be like that? <laughs> uh, that's why he's attractive. He's attractive. He's all attractive. He's got so many, he knows everything. He's the source of everything. Everything rests on him. And so we have to hear these things to we have to hear these things repeatedly to get an impression of who this person really is. The source of everything. He's an amazing person. Inconceivably powerful person. So uh, there's so many instructions in the Vedas. And as I said, many of them contradictory because they're meant for particular persons at particular times in particular places. And, and we need to know that. And that's why we need to follow the Mahajans or why we need to have a spiritual master. Because in order to understand the application of all of this information, because remember, here it's been stated, this is all coming from the mind. It's not something that is created or concocted, but rather it exists eternally. But another, another challenging uh, uh, idea or concept for people of the modern age and when you tell them, they say, well, where do the Vedas come from? They say, the Vedas don't come from anywhere. They have always existed. I say, what? How can something have always existed? Because our experience is, you know, things come into existence, they stay for a little while, and then they disappear. But with, with, the, with, with the Vedas and with the Supreme Personality, even with ourselves, we are actually eternal. Another feature of the Supreme, Sat, eternal. What is it? Is that verse in the Bhagavad Gita? Has not come into being, does not come into being. For the soul there is neither birth nor death at any time, not coming to being, he is unborn, eternal, he is not coming to being, um, eternal, unborn, and ever existing and primeval, he is not slain in the body, he is unborn. He is the expert of rope movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, thank you. 
Yes, it does not come into being, has not come into being, will not come into being, is always eternally existent. Now that's really hard concept for people to get their heads around. Because, you know, what do we see? Things come into being, they stay for a little while, then they go. This is our experience. Huh? Even the soul, the soul is present, but where is he? Huh? Where was he? There's a song, a song, a song by the Beatles, Lennon and McCartney, but actually by John Lennon, where he says, he says, I'm looking through you, but what do I see? Right? Which is very much the, the, the challenge of, you know, when I see you, who do I see? You know, when, when, our, when our grandma dies, right? we all, oh, grandma's gone, grandma's gone. Right, but you can hang on a second, grandma's just lying on the floor, she just died, but she's there. Right? But we say, no, she's not, she's gone. So what is it that's gone? Right? It's not something that you can see, but you can see. Right? I remember when my father passed away, um, and my brothers and I worked with my father, and um, it was interesting to know he was breathing, breathing, and then he just stopped. And then he breathed, breathed again, a few more breaths, and he stopped. Another breath, and then gone. And then he wasn't there anymore. So something, there's something, but we don't see it. Yet we do see it. We see the symptoms, complex lines, we see the symptoms. So, uh, there are descriptions in the Vedas that explain all of these, all of the comings and goings of the material creation, the nature of the Supreme Person, the nature of, the, of ourselves. Right? But we, ne we need some order or some uh, explanation of all of this information. And so that's why Prabhupada mentions here, Mahajana Jena, Kattasapanta. We have to follow the instructions of the, of the authorities, of those who understand the principles and how to apply the principles. This, this is very important. Important for the devotees too. Because we should understand the basic principles of of spiritual life and then be able to teach them to others so that first of all we get the benefits but then also we're able to transfer or to um, provide that uh, setting right that that context so that instructions which appear to be contradictory or difficult to understand or inconceivable right they're put in a terminology and they're put into practical uh, application so that we can, we can derive the benefits thereof. And so you know, this is really, uh, this is why we owe so much of a debt to Srila Prabhupada, why we honour him as our founder of Acharya, because Srila Prabhupada has taken the essence, right, the essence of 
Vedic literature and has condensed that or um, provided that for us in a form in which we can understand the principles and then know how to apply it. And very often we understand that by studying his life. Right? We don't just hear his instructions, but we also look at how Srila Prabhupada applied it. Right? And Prabhupada was immensely pragmatic. Right? There's one time you know, in Vrindavan, he was at a, they were having a program and they didn't have a mic stand, or the mic stand was broken. Uh, and there wasn't anybody to hold the mic, so Prabhupada told one of the one of his devotees to take off their brain and threaten he died with So you know, very practical. Very practical. Uh, very practical application of, you know, practical. Uh, so here, here uh, the Yamaduda is explaining. Here's what his his um, uh, how we present, or here's how we know and understand religious principles. Here's how we can determine what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. What is dharma and what is adharma. Dharma is that which is provided in Vedic literature. And our dharma, uh, that which is spoken by the Supreme Lord. And why the Vedas have given so much importance and so much deference, if you like, so much uh, respect, honour. Because they're principles that have been presented by the Lord and they're principles that exist eternally. So that explanation can be like up. Narayana is breathing and part of his breathing is the words that come from his lotus mouth. And, the, and those instructions are basically meant for the benefit of everybody. By applying the principles that are spoken by Narayana, we can perfect, we can understand the purpose of life, really. Right. This is the real, the real, the benefit of, of books like the Bhagavad Gita. The beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, Prabhupada says that one should have a mission. Right? Everybody should have a mission. We should know who we are and we should know what we're supposed to be doing. Right? And the, 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 the mission of life, if you like, is to is to come to the point of self-realization, to understand that we're not a product of the material energy, but that we're spiritual by nature. And that our actions determine our ability to, 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 to know ourselves, and to know that purpose, and then to act based on that understanding and purpose. And then the results, what results will we get? This is, this is, um, um, Sambandha, uh, Abhideya, and Brayojana. And this is the world purpose of education, basically, or the, the basic principles of education. Understand the, the principles, know how to apply them, and then know what the result will be when you do that. This is the purpose, the real purpose of education. And, and we can do that by studying the Vedas. 
under the authority of the Mahajana or the, the spiritual master, the spiritual teacher. And so, um, and, and when one that, when that process is applied carefully and appropriately, then what's the end result? The end result is that the end of this birth, we won't have to come back again. We can go to the spiritual realm. And how do we do that? By always thinking of Krishna. And how do we get to the point of always thinking of Krishna? Does anybody know? This is this is a Hare Krishna's uh, final mantra. What is it? If you want to remember Krishna at the time of death, what do you do? Chant Hare Krishna. Go to the top of the class. Although I think everybody knows that. Uh, our solution to all problems is chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> uh, if you want to distill our philosophy, but of course. And that's not so funny, actually. It's, it's interesting. I keep on coming back to this point. Uh, there are five instructions or five verses given by Krishna at the end of the Brahma Samhita. Right? And there's a Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasvati Thakur's purple. It's very interesting. And, and, and he, what is it? Abhyasaya, which means you know, the practice of yoga or the practice of sadhana. And he says that. The knowledge uh, that um, pertains to or is relevant to devotional practice is to understand um, the, the basic principles, what, what are called the Dasamula uh, Tattva, if you like, ten basic truths. And, and they're, they're ba- they're, those ten basic truths are all about Sambandha relationship, and I think three of them are about. Uh, practice uh, and and Bhakti Siddhanta says, you know that we study the Vedic. You know, life is a pursuit, a pursuit of something, right? and according to Vedic culture, it's the pursuit of knowledge, right? the pursuit of knowledge, and the most valuable knowledge is spiritual knowledge, not just you know. One times two is two, one times two, blah, 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 blah. That's material information. Of course, we need to understand the basics of all of these, but the most important is spiritual knowledge. And, and of course, that's the knowledge of our relationship with the Supreme and our relationship with the, the material energy as well. And you know the, the, our relationship with the spiritual energy, um, and uh, for us, for the practitioners of bhakti, it means knowing the sixty-four items of devotional service as it are presented by Rupa Goswami, right? And the most important or critical for us is to know how to chant properly. Well, very interesting. You know, this is our our, our chanting. Uh, well, the the, the implication I got from reading this book when I read it, I've got a, I've got the 
the Brahma, I've got a broken Brahma Samhita. You know how uh, these, these soft bound books, we have, if you open them up long enough, the pages all fall out. Uh, and you know what the printers call this binding? You know what they call it? Would you believe? Perfect binding. What they call it? But it's far from perfect. Because <laughs> 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 they were basically falling apart. But certainly my grandma Samhita is falling apart. But that's good because what it means is I can just sit on my dining table and leave it open at that point. And for me, go backwards or forwards, I'll just pick up the page and put it. <laughs> but it means I can leave it open and I just read when I have a dinner or whatever. I can just. Because, you know, sometimes it's not easy to understand. You have to read it a few times to understand what Bhakti Siddhanta Sajjavi Thakur is actually saying. And this is how Prabhupada recommends if you read something and you don't understand it, go back and read it again. <laughs> Right? And that's how you learn something. You, so, anyway, but you said, so Sri Thakur mentions there that, or this is my interpretation, my, uh, and my uh, takeaway is that uh, life is a pursuit, and we're in the pursuit of learning. And, one, and, and, and so, you know, we have the Bhagavad Gita, we have the Sri Bhagavatam, and whatever, but one of the most important pursuits for us is to know how to chant Hare Krishna. Right? And do it and, and do it without offense. Right? So that it, the full the full potency of the of the mantra purifies us. And so that and, 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 and we know what Chaitanya says, gentle karpana marginal, you know, we cleanse the mirror of the heart, of the mind, then with a pure heart We'll see the reflection of our pure self in that, in, our, in the mind. But the mind reflects what it's what it sees or what it what it's exposed to, right? And has memory also. Right? The the mind has multi multi functions, just like the senses have have memory and the the, the ability to absorb or to Gather information. This is what the senses are for. Gathering information. Which then gets, and the, the mind is the king of the senses, right? And so that information is stored in the mind. Right? When the mind is purified because it, it gathers or stores information or reflects what it's exposed to, when the mind is pure, it'll reflect ourselves, who we really are. Right? So, and that's that purification stuff by chanting. And for us, the pursuit of knowledge is learning how to chant. So it's, it's interesting. In, in the morning program, what has Prabhupada given us every day? Anybody who claims to be a Vaishnava? No, what, what is the translation of that verse? I, I say it every day. Um, yeah, if you chant Hare Krishna, if you chant with offense, even though you chant for many, many births, you will not attain the ultimate goal of the chanting. Right? 
And so then what do we do after that? Which I don't yeah, no, but what do we say? After we've said that verse, what do we then recite? Ten offenses. Yeah, we recite the ten offenses. Why do we do that? Anybody know? Why do we do that? Why do we recite the ten offenses? To avoid them. Yes, very good. So, you know, it's, it's critical. It's interesting. It's critical to our making advancement. It's what we do. And this is what practice does. And it's why we associate with devotees. One of the reasons why we associate with devotees. Because one thing we should all have embraced. Well, we did at one point in time, I suppose. We embraced this, this, this notion that we're going to become, that we're going to chant Hare Krishna and do it effectively. Right? Why we associate with Srila Prabhupada is to get an idea of the Vedas, but the main purpose is to chant. We apply all of these other activities, but in this day and age, what is it? Harinama, 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 Irakevala, Kolo, Nasiva, 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 Kitira, Nitara. Which is one of the reasons why we always come back to, and I guess it's my point, Chant Hare Krishna. Right? But Chant Hare Krishna properly with a proper understanding. Right? And of course that's why we study. That's a lot of our study of the Vedas or study of the Bhagavatam, study of the Bhagavad Gita is to learn how to apply the principles of bhakti so that it's effective in our lives. This is what we, a lot of what we're supposed to do. And to perfect the chanting of Hare Krishna. So, um, yeah. And, and, and that means, you know, uh, yama ni yama, in one sense. We, there are things we accept, things we reject. So, reject. Um, and, uh, um, that's more or less the essence of what's been said here by Srila Prabhupada is that there's dharma, that's what we accept, and there's adharma, and that's what we reject. We learn that from the Vedas. If we, because the Vedas are very, uh, cover a broad range of topics and subject matters, it's easy to get confused by the Vedas. And so that's why we have a guru, or we, that's why we follow the Mahajans. And so what Prabhupada says in Mahajana Jinnikita Samanta. Uh, and there are 12 Mahajans. Huh? And so we, we follow the Mahajans because the Mahajans embody religious principles in practice, in action. Right? And for us, you know, the main Mahajan is who? The Guru. The Guru, yes. And in particular, our founder of Jaya, Srila Prabhupada. And we apply his teachings. When we want to do something, we apply it. And this is why, why Srila Prabhupada really appreciated his Western disciples. Um, I'm reading Harry Sori's latest book at the moment about Prabhupada's final 
the final month that he spent with Prabhupada in Vrindavan. And um, um, Prabhupada was entertaining a lot of him, or not, he wasn't entertaining him, what he was just doing. He couldn't, he couldn't roll over in bed with, by himself. Uh, so very invalid at that stage. But he was, he was meeting a lot of his godbrothers, and he would, and offering, he was saying his farewells to his godbrothers, effectively, that was what was happening. And he, but he was showing his godbrothers what his disciples were doing all over the world. And they were, they were quite impressed. You know, they, were showing, they were showing pictures of, of they were showing pictures of Gitanagari, they were showing pictures of Nirindavan, of the temples of the deities and the active. And they were, they were ooh, really quite impressed. And um, and then Prabhupada said about his disciples, he said, they're from a lecture of Yavana culture. Right? But he said, one good thing is they, they will do what I told them to do. <laughs> no speculation, right? no interpretation, no confusion, because they hadn't read the Vedas. They only had read Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita, they'd only heard Prabhupada's instructions. There was no, you know, other trappings of Vedic culture to confuse them. So they just, Prabhupada said, I appreciate my disciples very much because whatever I told them, that's what they did. And of course, that's, that's, that, these this are the principles that we should follow too. Okay, any comments or questions? Anybody like to share any thoughts on these? On this? Uh, this uh, actually Yamadutas, uh, they're saying like uh, dharma, dharma, this above that is uh, Bhagavad dharma. Right? Bhagavad dharma. Bhagavad dharma. So ah, this yes. uh, Yamadutas, Yamadutas, the, what they learn from Yamarad is about dharma. But it is not Bhagavad Dharma. So that is why this Yamaduta, they were confused, like they couldn't, they wanted to punish uh, Ajahn. They wanted to punish Ajahn, but uh, yeah. the thing is uh, that they didn't know, like you know, they didn't know what is Bhagavad Dharma. So based on Dharma, they just uh, saw that he did all about abominable activities yes. and he's supposed to yes. be punished. Yes, that's a good point. You know, uh, uh, some people misunderstand the potency of chanting Hare Krishna and the power of chanting Hare Krishna. This is really, you know, this is the main point of this whole history of Ajahnya. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes uh, Prabhupada's godbrothers would criticize his disciples. Oh, no, they didn't go to I, I, I had this story, there's a story of uh, one devoted disciple of Prabhupada who, who was a draft dodger and eventually went to India to escape the draft and, and he went and stayed with, in a Gaudiya month. I'm, Prabhupada encouraged him to. And, and um, you know, if his shadow touched theirs, they, they would, it touched their body, they would go and take a bath. Yeah. 
It's interesting to note the, 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 the cause of contention between Prabhupada and his godbrothers. So there's, there's this, and also, you know, other people, oh, they're just showing Hare Krishna, oh, that's, you know, they're just showing Hare Krishna. But actually, Jain Hare Krishna is super. It cannot be underestimated the potency, and that's what we see here. Ajahnu was, yes, a simple person, but he chanted without offense. And so this is the. And, and the reason why we're here at this point is because previously in the Bhagavatam, there was a description of all the hellish planets. And where you would go if you performed all these sinful activities, right? So Ajahnu, obviously, he was off from, you know, wherever, one of the lower planetary systems for a bit of cooking. <laughs> cooking classes. <laughs> With the other dudes. <laughs> so, but he wasn't. The Vishnu dudes turned up. And the other dudes This is not right. According to our understanding of Dharma, you should be, you know, punished. But no, he was, he was eligible for liberation simply because of chanting the name of Narayana. And this was something prior to this point in time that the Yamadunas had not experienced. Yeah. So, um, yeah, good point. Good point. And, and it's the essence of this instruction, really. But again, right, Ajahnil had to perfect the chanting, right? Perfect the chanting, which is our task. Right? That's our task. He chanted and he got, you know, Free from all of these sinful reactions, but as, as uh, uh, Haridas Thakur explains in Harinam Chintamani, that's not the real purpose of chanting. It's one of the side effects of chanting. The real benefit of chanting is that you get love of Godhead, right? And that you get full emancipation from this material conception of life. You get, a, uh, you get your pure spiritual body, right? So, um, Ajahnya was free from his simple reactions, but he hadn't perfected his spiritual life by coming to the point of full spiritual understanding of his, you know, original his right? which is what we should be doing. Right? So yes, we become free from our simple reactions. That's a benefit, but not what we chant chant for. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, we we chant to be engaged in service, effectively, that's what, and, and really the, 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 the finer um, uh, qualities, if you like, of a devotee are that he's a servant. You know, that's our dharma. If there's a, if there's a dharma and the chanting of Hare Krishna uncovers that, it's that we are a servant and that we're a servant of God. A servant of Krishna, first and foremost. And, and um, understanding that service and being fully absorbed in that um, helps us uncover or helps reveal 
our spiritual identity, our spiritual personality. But of course, it comes, you know, as Prabhupada says, or one of the devotees quoting Prabhupada said, Nashua was one of uh, he said, there's more comes out of the bead bag than just a finger. <laughs> right? I'm sure. Good work. Oh, I can see you. Good to see you too. Um, uh, I've, got a, I've got a burning question for you. A burning question? Yeah. Okay. Speaking about punishment. Punishment? Yeah. Well, you know, what you should do is in the universe. Yes. It reminds me of something that I read I'll try to allow the voice. Yeah, it's all done here. Oh, okay. Alright, so it reminds me of something that I read recently. It's on. It's on the lower left. It's not the lower left. Well, I said it very minor. Yeah. Okay, alright, keep going. Alright, so it reminds me of something I read recently in Srimad Bhagavatam in the first canto that I found really hard to understand. And it's to do with the. Uh, uh, the situation with um, Harikit Maharaj, the country down the hall, who was having his legs you know, cut off by um, the personality of Kali. Uh, and then in verse uh, 117.22, it says, um, uh, The destination intended for the perpetrator of irreligious acts is also intended for one who identifies the perpetrator. Have you ever come across this before? I've never heard anybody... The Lord Prabhupada say in the third board? Well, in the third yeah, obviously I looked at that. He talks about um, uh, how Jesus Christ was um, crucified, but he didn't get angry at the mischief mongers. Um, and uh, that is the way of accepting a thing either favourable or unfavourable. So from the first perspective, not to, obviously not to blame thing points into the What's the number of that verse? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then yeah, it goes, thus for a devotee. What was that? It's What's uh, 117.22. 117.22. Yeah, thus for a devotee, but identifying as equally a sinner, which just really seems, obviously, seems very hard to understand. So, further than that, Prabhupada doesn't really unpack this statement. Punishment and reward of Kali. Right? Yeah. 22? Yeah. Oh, the king said, Oh, you who are in the form of a bull, you know the truth of religion, and you are speaking according to the principle that the destination intended for the perpetrator of irreligious acts is also intended for one who identifies the perpetrator. You are no other than the personality of the And just to give you the context of this, this the, you know what I am, right? It's it's really surprising, and I'm I'm just surprised that it never stood out to me ever before, but it just did the other day. Um, But just to give you the background and context, just to remind you, Mm. you remember um, Parikit Maharaj comes along and he asks Dharma, who did this to you? How did this happen? Mm. And then Dharma the Bull goes, well, the the principles of cause and effect are all very difficult to understand. Some philosophers say it is this, some philosophers say it's that. And he never says, this guy here, he did it to me. He doesn't do that. And so this is Prigid Maharaj's response. Mm. And it's been vacant by note a little bit for the last few days. Yeah. Um, I haven't studied this recently, so I'm not sure if I understand it correctly. 
So, she, so, um, a devotee generally sees himself to blame for his suffering. And so, if, this is just a general, this is shooting from the hip, right? So, um, this is just sort of my immediate response. Um, and so, therefore, whether something good happens or something bad happens, the devotee appreciates that it's a reaction for their past deeds. Right? And generally, if something good happens, he accepts it as Krishna's mercy. And if something bad happens, he accepts that also as Krishna's mercy. And the, the person who's who may be the instrument of their karma is not ultimately the person to blame. Right? Because they're getting their, the results, the reactions, through the agency of that individual. And so they're the cause. The individual is the cause. So that's what, why I take it that Prabhupada mentions Jesus, because that's how he accepted his crucifixion. Right? Forgive them for they know not what they do. But always to that effect. So that's one way of, of understanding this, this point that we don't identify the perpetrator because the perpetrator is merely the agent of the other person's karma. Right? And so there's a deeper cause or a deeper understanding of action and reaction. And, 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 and why we don't say these things because ultimately we could say actually it's Krishna who's organising all of these things. So what are you going to do? You're not going to blame God? <laughs> right? And I've story I've told many times over the last week or so, last few weeks. My mum was like that. I noticed that my parents, mum and dad, weren't going to church. Whereas when I was a kid, up until I was 15 or 30, about 15, would take us to church every Sunday. Right? Without fail. And then, in later years, when my parents were in their 70s, I noticed that they weren't going to church anymore. And I said to my mum, why are you going to church? You used to go to church all the time. Um, and my mother said to me, I can't, if God is all good, I can't believe in a God is all good because there's so much suffering in the world. Right? Which is a conclusion that people come to. But, and I said to my mum, I said, but mum, you know, that's not God's fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's our fault for being rascals. We do the, you know, we, we choose the wrong things. Our dharma as opposed to dharma. So yes, that, that's, that's a conclusion that my mother came to anyway. Oh, I can't believe we've got anymore. So are we going to blame him for all the problems? Because he started Govinda Mari Purusham, right? Bajami, what is it? Sarvakarana Karanam. It's the cause of all causes. So therefore, the devotee doesn't want to, ooh, hang on a second, I'm not going to identify who's the perpetrator here for various reasons. 
But ultimately, you know, if, if there's some suffering, or even if there's, we get into the reactions of our past garments. And so, in one sense, a devotee accepts the suffering, um, uh, you know, um, willingly, or not willingly, but, uh, um, what, what, what was that? He's, act, he's accepting voluntarily, voluntarily. Not voluntarily, no, because he has no choice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, resignedly, you know, with with uh, acceptance, I deserve whatever I get, and what I get is a, a, a mere, poor, a, a, you know, a fraction of what I deserve. So that's one way to look at it. But actually, in Avanti Brahmana's story, yeah. Avanti Brahmana, eleventh canto, twenty yeah. chapter. Very, very nicely explained the very same point about why we suffer. Like in Avanti Brahmana, even though so many people insulted him, threw so much mm-hmm. harsh words, did so much uh, this thing, but still he thought that it is me, these people are only postman, they are delivering my karma, mm-hmm. but actually it is me. It is actually ultimately it is said that it's the mind. Manaha Paramakarana Mahamananti, it is said. The mind is the root cause that causes us all these problems actually otherwise actually there is nothing that so the mind is the real uh, that causes well, that's the conclusion in uh, Avanti Brahman's story yeah Madhu Manjuri uh, I was appreciating your answer as a the question from one perspective from the so called victim perspective from the which perspective? from the victim perspective oh victim perspective Yes. We can we can t- take that uh, the well it's Mangarma, it's Krishna behind. But from the for example in this case the king, Parikshit Maharaj, his duty, his dharma is to identify and make justice. Yes. So he has to identify who did the right the right and wrong thing. Yes. Because it's his position. So that is for the And you remind me. In this context, Kali has arrived, right? And these activities were unheard of in the kingdom, right? They were unheard of. And so, but they heralded, they, they herald the beginning of the age of Kali. Right? Now who's responsible, you know, why? Because that ultimately is Krishna's plan. You know, Kali has to come. He's not going to say, you know, it's Krishna's fault. <laughs> Ultimately. And why? So in this case, for example, the bull, because he he was so-called beaten, he he said, I cannot identify the perpetrator because it's not my position. Not my. My position, because if I have knowledge, I understand that he's just an agent of my karma. Yeah, or there are laws of nature, yeah. the modes of nature, Krishna yeah. behind, so many factors. Yeah, so right. that is the good perspective. Yes, Deep, deeply persistent. Yeah, but Parishit Maharaj has different, he has to have a different perspective because his function is different. Yeah. Yep. In, this case, in this case, also the, the Yamadutas as well. No? His, their position is different. 
they act in, in because their function is something mm -hmm. different. The job. And Jamila is different. Yeah. 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 Very good, very good. So what's the conclusion? It may not be the last question. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would be required for us to reach the platform of perfect champion? Well, I'm working on that, so effectively. Um, what's required? Uh, well, it's very interesting. As recommended by Krishna, um, Theistic conduct um, constant endeavor huh? and what else is there? Well that's good enough, I think. That's enough. That's a good start. <laughs> Behaving properly and uh, constantly chanting. Prabhupada mentions, I was reading in one book the other day, Prabhupada says one should chant constantly and incessantly. Right, so what does that mean? What does constant mean? Always. Always. And what's incessant mean? Don't stop. <laughs> so two things. Always chant, don't stop. <laughs> I read that and I thought, oh, Krishna. I'm a lazy bum. Because, you know, we tested, we'll be tested. And the testing goes on all through life. And um, sometimes we're left wanting. <laughs> That's the, the reality. So therefore, you know, Trinata, Pirisunichina, Talori, Rasakishnina, Amanadina, Amanadina, Kitaniya, Sadhapari, Prabhupada mentions. Uh, and there's anecdotal evidence of this. You know, this is the most, one of the most important verses that everybody has to learn because, you know, of our pride and our misidentification with you know who we really are, we don't chant properly. We, and we stop chanting. We get distracted. It's just uh, you mentioned in the beginning the importance of our purpose, the pursue. If we have clear goal, what we want, so focus oriented, so then we, we will be able to uh, and then do our purpose. Yes. Perform yep. our activities because it's clear what I want. So. Yes, but when it becomes clear that you want material sense gratification as opposed to Krishna, what do you do? You realize, ah, I'm in the material world to pursue things other than Krishna. Then what do you do? You know what you do? Go back to the first instruction, chant. 
But then what happens is you, it's, your contamination is revealed too, and that's a big challenge to purify the heart of material proclivities and attachments. And, and so, you know, Adol Sraddha, Sadhu Sangha, Association of the Devotees, Bhajana Kriya, follow the practices, Anata Nevriti, overcome the attachments. And that's the science of Chani Hare Krishna, is to rid the heart, to cleanse the heart of, of those attachments. Huh? And, and, you know, sometimes you're just not aware of them. And then later in life you go, oh, oh, I didn't realize that I was doing this because of that. I thought I was a beautiful lady. Huh? So, yeah, purification. And uh, that's why theistic conduct constant endeavour is required all the time. We can't rest on our laurels at any time and think that we've you know that we've made it. We need to keep that analysis of uh, motive really, you know, personal uh, uh, motivation. And of course that comes with sincerity. Which gets to your point, the purpose, the real purpose of why you're doing something. Huh? And, and for a lot of devotees, even though they may be material aspirations, material proclivities, material, they, it comes back to Prabhupada's their aspiration. And he's the reason why they do things. Or the devotees' association is the devotees. Because the devotees then remind us all the time what our actual purpose is. That's why Sadhu Sangha. Is so important. Right? Association of the devotees is, is critical. And Asat Sangha we give up bad association. So, um, and again, that's theistic conduct. The right conduct, the right behaviour, that means associating with the right people. And, and always analysing and assessing our purpose, motives for doing things, and that's where the Chanting Hare Krishna comes in, because the Chanting Hare Krishna purifies our consciousness so that we can see the, 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 our motives and our purpose for, for doing things, and helps to reinforce um, um, the, the pure spiritual um, identity, the pure spirit, uh, soul, if you like, the real, our real spiritual identity and personality, which is surrendering service to Krishna, which is a hoitiki apatihata, without motivation, without uh, a material purpose, anyway. So that instruction practice is not necessarily tackle that you know we one of our serious purposes in practicing bhakti is to learn how to chant and to use the chanting as a means of purification. 
and so that you know we're performing our devotional service because it's service to the spiritual master and it's service to Krishna without and, and this is Rupa Goswami's instruction and the army does from young you know without extraneous material motivations It sharpens the intelligence also, actually. Sharpens the intelligence. Yes. Intelligence. If only I could take advantage of it. <laughs> That's why we have to read the Bhagavatam every day. Why we have to hear the Bhagavatam every day. Why we have to chant every day. Comment? No? Anybody? Is that okay? There are more instructions that I've forgotten. I haven't turned that page yet to get to the next step. That's good, that's good advice. It's uh, good for us to keep chanting the more, the more we chant, the better we get at it. Yeah, yes. And um, my experience is early morning chanting is probably the best. Chanting is good any time. But that's why theistic conduct usually means rise early chant. Brahma Huh? Brahma period. Yes, yeah, because it's an undisturbed time of the day where you can reflect on just the, the mantra. And I, just hearing the mantra then, that so much. Uh, what is it? It is so dashatam nam nam, kali marshanam. So all of the, the contamination of kali is destroyed by the six-syllable six, six mantra, sixteen-syllable mantra. Right? Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So that's, that's a verse. It is a Russian nam nam kali galmashanashanam. There's a bit more to it, but then Hare Krishna. Mataha Paratharo Payaha Sarva Vedisha Drishyate. Mataha Paratharo, there's no other way, even if you look into all the Vedic scriptures, Sarva Vedisha Drishyate, even if you look in, you yes, can't find a way. There's no other way. So, Nasteva, 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 Ketiram Yata. If, if you're short of a stroke, then it's good to have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. But you know, main stroke is Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. That's all we know. But it's good, it's good to have that knowledge. It's, it's, it's uh, important. And of course for us, apply it especially in our sadhana. Okay, Gaurav Shri Nambhagavatam, Gita, Jai, 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 Jai